Hey there, Shopamaniacs. You are listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show podcast, all about front end web design development and maybe some uh, GitHubby action stuff today. So, anyway, I'm <laughs> oh, Dave Ripper, oh. and with me is Chris Coyer. Hey, Chris. Hey, hey, we have some absolutely special guests. We have Rizelle Scarlett. How are you doing, Rizelle? I'm good. How are you? Good. You are at GitHub, GitHub Dev Advocate. What's yep. up? Yep, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure that's not all y'all do, but I bit but it's interesting. Can you uh 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 what is that what is that role mean? Well you have to put an avocado yeah. next to your username. Is that correct? <laughs> that's the first step is yeah, that's the the first step to becoming an advocate. Um yeah, like <laughs> my role is or it varies at different companies, but at GitHub it's all about empowering our users, um making sure that they understand how to um use the products to the best of their ability and I've mostly been focused on like open source and early career developers. Awesome, awesome. Thanks. Yeah, we'll get into all that. And we also have Brian Douglas, of which probably nobody even knows that's your name, right? B Dougie. <laughs> yeah. What's up, man? I'm yeah, yeah. oh, sorry, Badug. That was the more acronym. Yeah, I need the phonetic spelling in my uh, my Twitter bio so that way people can pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for uh, the invite. Like as I mentioned before, hit record, longtime listener. Uh, probably one of the first podcasts I started listening to when I got my first dev job in like 2013-ish, oh, maybe wow. 2014. Awesome. So long time. And uh, yeah, I work with Rizelle at GitHub, uh, but actually actively on a sabbatical for the summer too as well. So we can hey, get wow. that. Congratulations. Oh, that's, that's cool. So yeah, it's, awesome. It's, it's, been, it's, been a while, it's been a long haul at GitHub, right? I, I've seen you speak a long time ago. I mean, I, I basically don't even remember, but it was kind of like early days of actions, I think. I think you were out there drumming yeah. up interest of, look at this thing. Look what? <laughs> yeah, just trying to get people just to try it. And uh, so that would have been like yeah. 2018 is when I joined GitHub. Uh, so four and a half years is my uh, my timeline that I have so far. Yeah, pretty wow. pretty good, pretty senior these days. And so it's matured a bunch. Do you, do, Roselle, talk to people about GitHub Actions? Is that part of your purview? And yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, I yeah. do. Nice. Uh, I'd love to talk about that. It almost seems like it's hit a tipping point now where you hear it in conversation a little bit more like, well, obviously we use that, you know, or you read blog posts about like, well, I was doing it this way, but that just seemed weird now. So now I just use, I ported it over to GitHub Actions because it seemed obvious or something, which is probably a result of dev advocacy work, right? That it hits this, these, it shifts the industry in some way where the opinion is, is just different because there's like enough resources or something or enough other people they know have tried it or the trust has just welled up to the point where you're like, yeah, that's obviously trustable. I'm not, what do you think it is? Those are just my guesses, but it does seem more mature now, doesn't it? Um, I don't know if Brian was going to say something, but I will say before I worked at GitHub, I learned about GitHub Actions from Brian. Like, um, like you're saying, it's definitely, I, I think from my perspective, definitely because of that advocacy that I was like, oh, this exists and this is how you use it. Like I even like wrote a blog post and was like just so mind blown by GitHub Actions and then learning that like I can use it for like beyond like DevOps stuff, just automating my repository and automating issue management um, was like a big game changer. Yeah, uh, I would say that. So when I joined GitHub, uh, I joined in 2018 we had this like little secret skunk works project called Everett. 
And um, I don't know how many people have actually shared this publicly, but uh, it was like a broader scheme of what GitHub, the future of GitHub was. Uh, that all this stuff sort of got picked away and picked apart. And uh, what we ended up shipping was GitHub Actions, which was a way to have compute on GitHub. Uh, eventually, fast forward a year later, probably when you probably saw me speaking, Chris, we added CI natively to GitHub Actions. And what we've done is like we've made it really simple for folks to like simple is kind of hard word to use, but it, it, it is pretty simple to get like actions working in like a Node.js or a Rails project. Uh, as long as your project is extremely simple, um, you could add actions. If it's a little more complicated, we have tools and solutions and plugins and other actions you can add to also add like Postgres and Docker images. So the overall, it's just automating the things you don't want to automate is what actions does but most people kind of align that with ci and cd yeah that's yeah that's definitely how i think of it is like this thing runs when i do pushes <laughs> but it but that's just one potential action right you can line it up to like it could just be the push of a button if i wanted it to be right yeah that's what the, yeah to work on a cron job on a schedule that part's cool too oh yeah that is cool free computers what uh this is my question um i i full disclaimer i am a github actions user uh, somebody set them up Thank in you my for project and um i don't know how they work so uh <laughs> what would, what would be like uh what what's like baby's first action what what is the like hello world i'm like i have a project it's on github we'll, I heard I have to use GitHub Actions to get employed now. What what do I do? <laughs> Baby's uh, first action. Yeah. Rizal, you want to share about the action that you created when you first uh, joined GitHub? Like your first uh, sort of crack at it? Oh, yeah. So uh, I had made actions before I joined GitHub. Um, but the action I made when I joined GitHub was... I'm trying to remember. I believe... Oh yeah. Okay. Um, it was a, a it was for ago. yeah. <laughs> it was for Pulumi. Um, and basically Pulumi is like this cloud thing that helps you to connect easily with like AWS and stuff like that. You can just write um AWS code in JavaScript and it'll get deployed there. Um, so I wrote an action that allowed my website to be served on a S3 bucket, and then anytime I pushed something, it would like a pair or like it would get updated on that like s3 bucket um and then in addition to that um before i did the push and just had a pull request it would show me a live live preview of like the changes that were made i don't think that's really baby's first action yeah (laughs) that might be a little step past like maybe toddler um you made your own netlify I just what? made a Netlify real casual, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's actually what I I, I created an action called Loglify, and um, I saw so for full disclosure, I used to work at Netlify. Um, I was like employee three back in like 2016 ish, and when I went to GitHub, what I noticed was like some missing features in, in Netlify's sort of interaction with GitHub, their their GitHub app. And GitHub had shipped the, the idea of having logs for your deployments inside of GitHub, which now is what GitHub Pages is powered by. And I wanted to get my Netlify logs inside of GitHub, which not a lot of people follow, mm. follow that path. Um, it, it's kind of like extra for the sake of being extra. Uh, but I've created the Logify to do that, to basically just use the deployments API, uh, create deployments inside my logs inside of the GitHub logs. And that way I could see it inside of GitHub. Logs and so, logs? 
Yes. So I, I logified my logs. Uh, but I'd say like baby's first action is probably this NPM test. Uh, like yeah, you're just getting your test to run. Yeah, your just test, your V test, or whatever the kids are using this these days. Like this, getting your test to run is probably going to be your, your first first action. What like so? I, I'm thinking through my application. Like, what's that entail? Like spinning. A, you said for easier stuff, it's easy, right? But like, so it's like just do I have to spin up like a local host, or can I just run like? just tests or you know or how deep does it go yeah so the answer is yeah so the actions runner is it's a cloud environment so it, it's all it is vms uh rushing running on azure now and thanks to uh, thanks to daddy microsoft and that gives you an environment where you could just run npm install npm run test uh and then you're good so you don't need to actually set up a local hosted environment or set up like speeds and feeds or size of VMs, uh, it'll mm-hmm. just run the test for you. And that one cloud environment gives you 2,000 minutes for free per month. So hopefully your tests take less than 2,000 minutes uh, <laughs> and it'll, you'll be pretty good. If not, um, to swipe the credit card, you'd be good to go as well. <laughs> yeah, I can run about one, one and a half tests a month. This is good. <laughs> so. Get those, got them 1,000 minute tests. That was good. I will say, oh, I want to add that, like, I think if people are, like, starting off with actions instead of just writing your own, there's, like, a whole bunch of actions and workflows that you can just copy and paste into your repository. Like, um, we have the, the GitHub Marketplace, and probably if you're thinking of it, someone already created it. Because I think, like, way back when I first started at GitHub, we were like, we have 10,000 actions. And, like, that was nine or ten months ago. So... There's probably way more, and like in addition to the NPM test, like if people want to explore more, they can just go there and like copy and paste it in. Yeah, nice. Because there's some boilerplate too, isn't there? Kind of like if it's Node, there's like a because we should say that all this is configuration based, isn't it? Like a hundred percent. Like there's a dot GitHub folder or file or something that just sits in the repo. The, the .github folder is like the magical folder that hides a lot of configs for you. So there's a couple, there's quite a few fe- features in GitHub that are abstracted inside the .github folder. One of them is actions, and inside the actions workflows folder, you have YAML files. Uh, so if you follow the syntax, of, if you actually if you go to any of your repos slash actions or click the actions tab, and you have no actions, they'll present you a hello world action for you to sort of add to your your project. Um, there are some heuristics inside of GitHub that will identify uh, what language you've written your code in. It's a it's a linguist plugin. Um, it's like a Ruby gem back in the day to t- identify. Actually, I don't know if everybody knows this, but if you go in the right tab of your GitHub repo, it tells you like how much JavaScript, how much Ruby, how much TypeScript is in your project. That's the linguist. Uh, it was a Ruby gem. Now it's just a general plugin you can use for any language to identify a language inside of code bases. We leverage that to identify what action we should present to you. Um, and then they'll give you your hello world, like your NPM, your just your test runner or um, in general. So, and that would be just a, a suite of YAML files. Wow. That's cool. So, I've seen some cool ones like, um, like Amelia Wattenberger had this one that would like generate a bubble chart of your like code base isn't that like a that's a github yeah that's cool and it was kind of like to be like 
hey, new people, (laughs) if you're just like exploring this, here's kind of where all the code lives, right? Like here's where it gets weird and big and uh, complex. And I thought that was really cool. One thing I guess that wasn't clear was like some of these these actions will like go and like do stuff like 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 generate files and, and then they like put it in your repo. Right. Like I think that's what this one does. But then doesn't that fire off another commit or, or is it there? I guess there's some intelligence oh, yeah. there to prevent How the infinite loop. That? <laughs> yeah, we, we do have conditional runs. So you can run conditionals on like file types. So I have an ex- I, I actually use that action for my open source project that gives us a, sort of the bubble chart for what components look like. Uh, but the, another one I built is for Storybook. Uh, so Storybook being the sort of design system, um, UI template manager. Uh, every time I make a change to one of my, re- my React components, it actually generates a new Storybook deploy. Um, and the way I do that is I, I check specifically for my components folder, uh, if anything's changed there, it runs npm run storybook. It builds it onto my, a new branch, which is called storybook static. Um, and then storybook static is now being watched by Netlify. And Netlify will deploy storybook static to design.opensauce.pizza. Uh, so it's because it's a, it's a regular VM, just as if I were to do this manually, which I was, every time I made a change to any sort of component, I just run it locally, push it up to Netlify with the Netlify deploy. Instead, now I can do this like without thinking. Actually, I'm not even doing it. The actions are running it. Um, and it's because I have a full environment that can run any library, any plugin, as long as I have the right sort of image. That's incredible. We actually gave up on <laughs> like a storybook because it was like, it just was extra, right? It was like, okay, like, like we're deploying the app, but like when we try to deploy a storybook simultaneously, it just, it's mad. everyone's mad, you know? And so we just said, let's not do storybook at all. But if you have this whole other branch that gets deployed, it's like a microcosm of the 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 mono repo problem, right? Is that it's kind of yeah, it's its own different thing. But it's neat how you can look at a partic- changes to a particular directory. That's kind of like a first first class citizen of actions. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, cool. It, it's extremely powerful too, as well. Because like it, when you talk about mono repos or a turbo repo, or whatever. You know, <laughs> Turbo Repo is an actual uh, repo and, and project. But uh, as you think about, okay, I've got this one. Imagine you have this library and you have the TypeScript one. And TypeScript has a different build command. But only I want to run builds for that one folder. Like you could set that all in conjunction. And you could actually have actions that run on actions. So based on if the test pass or if the test fail, don't build and deploy to NPM. Rather, like alert somebody in Slack or alert somebody in Discord or fire off some sort of like fallback system to basically get make sure you can um, have some sort of, uh, I don't know, I'm not an SRE, so like when things fail, I walk away. So I'm not sure what the system is, but whatever the <laughs> system is, when things fail, someone can step in and, and um, come up to the plate. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Memberful. Memberful is software to help you sell memberships to your audience. Like, what would your business be like? Do you need to build this? This is an awesome way to build a business. But Memberful is for you, the developer, to build this. It's a whole package of tools to make you know, building whatever kind of membership business you want to build possible, you know, and it handles all the hard stuff, you know, it'll take payments with Stripe for secure payments, you know, you don't want to write that from scratch, use Memberful to help with it. 
There's a full-on GraphQL API. Which user is it? What access level do they have? All that type of stuff. Webhooks, OAuth, single sign-on. You know, how do you, you're going to have to build a, a login process and account creation process. Why write all that from scratch? It's just built into Memberful, this complete package for dealing with membership stuff. It's so great. Let's say the home base of your website is WordPress. There's a best-in-class WordPress plugin so that you can control who's able to see what and where the upsells are and all that stuff really tremendous handles all those transactional emails so much of that it's just everything all bundled together you can get started for free there's no credit card required just think about it like you if you're a smart developer you're not writing all this stuff from scratch you're leveraging other software that does what it does best so that you can build the integration of a membership website perfectly thanks for the support memberful So babies first was a uh, was running your tests, which probably seems like it's doing an awful lot of that. I would think in <laughs> yeah. people's lives, but uh, but I, I don't know how how close is deployment. You know, I always thought in the days before GitHub Actions, it did seem like if you were a armchair analyst of GitHub, you'd be like, isn't that weird that they don't they're not in the deployment market at all? That I have to f- wire up my own little weird system to deploy my website? Like, why is that? And then, you you know, you're kind of half expecting GitHub to ship some kind of deployment specific thing. But instead, we got GitHub Actions, which is the answer to deployment, but just way more broadly. Like, it's just one of the many things they could do. So if you want to deploy your website through GitHub Actions, where do I start thinking about that? Like, how do I do it? <laughs> Rizal actually, she brought up the deploy me action and right. that being like one step. And I think what hap- what we what GitHub does a really good job at is like we are the home for all developers, 83 million developers worldwide. And there's an opportunity there for other folks who want to have the attention of those developers to build in our marketplace or to build their own open source actions. Yeah. Uh, so like Go look. ones that I, <laughs> yeah, ones that I've used is like Azure. Uh, I really like their Azure apps action. Now I don't use Azure for a lot of stuff, but the one things I do use it for is my Twitch bots. So if I need to have like a running server because I need Twitch to basically talk to my my I call it a slay bot. Uh, it's it's the it's the I originally cro- created the Bay bot, which is a Beyonce bot. That was actually one of my first <laughs> actions, which I can get into later. But the the you slay are holding bot's... back on us. <laughs> slay bot is like Bay bot, but it slays. Uh, and what it really does, it, it interacts with Twitch and does things like if you star the repo or my repo I'm working on, it will animate across the screen and say, "Hey, thanks for starting the repo." Uh, but we also have like these unique commands for my chat uh, on Twitch. Uh, what I'm getting at is I, I deploy that with the Azure apps. And what I have is like a staging environment. And I can actually, whenever I have a PR open, I essentially rebuilt Netlify deploy previews using Azure and GitHub Actions, mainly because I wanted to have a running server, which I can't do on Netlify. And I like that pattern for deploy previews. So I just basically built that with the commenting system and everything uh, from scratch to Actions. Wow. Uh, that literally today, somebody was like, "Man, we, deploy previews would sure be good right here," you know. And so, and I was like, "Not, not today, no." <laughs> <laughs>
I have I have thoughts to add on the deployment stuff. I hope it doesn't like steer the conversation too far. But one of the reasons why, like I I really love GitHub Actions, and one of the reasons why is because I used to work at a startup that like we just did not have like a good release and deploy process. Like we would have to release on times that like users are not using the product mm. so that's like saturday night and i was like 21 i'm like i want to go hang out but i have to like sit here <laughs> and do this deploy pro um like release our code and it would like take hours and i would always like make mistakes and be like oh crap i like brought down the whole app um so when i moved to another company and i saw they were using get a github action to do releases and they could do it during the day i was like what this is so awesome so just wanted to add that story in there <laughs> I mean, I guess there's just a heck of a lot of it depends, right? Like if you, what if you want, the way that your website is deployed is by moving files over FTP or something, which is not totally crazy. I mean, that's probably how your like Laravel site works or something, you know, or WordPress or whatever else. Is there a, what kind of, do I have to reach for some plugin that's like, this is the GitHub Actions FTP machine, right? Uh, <laughs> So there's actually a feature in GitHub Actions called Repository Dispatch, uh, which will give you a specific webhook to point. Like if you have an FTP server and you're like, hey, whenever I, mm -hmm. I drag this folder, I want it to hit the GitHub repo to start a commit process or start an action running. Um, so it's 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 well documented uh, called Repository Dispatch, and that will give you the webhook to basically fire off an action. Uh, and then there's a um, you know, I'm blanking on the actual uh, internal talking to actions to actions, uh, but we do have ways to talk from actions to actions and like jump the file uh. system to basically start trigger actions from internally in the repo. So yeah, all that available to you, um, and highly recommend. Yeah, check it out if you do have like a very arcane way. Nice. And is there some built-in smarts like it's Git, so it probably knows what files have changed yeah is that like is that built in like if i say put push can i say push the new files up to the you know it's not like every commit it's going to upload every single file in my repo right yeah it's it's um so i guess take, taking a step back um github actions is like a culmination of where we were github was working towards for our years so like with github sort of showed up on the scene around 2008 um a month after GitHub was like public general adoption, they actually shipped the GitHub API. Uh, and like the Git, GitHub's always been focused on like providing primitives of the product. So like API, webhooks, authentication, like all those are things that you would have to become a really good expert at to build your own integration. So like when I worked at Netlify, I got really good at working with the GitHub API and webhooks and authentication because logging with GitHub, point to your repo, do stuff like this and deploy yeah, here. Yeah. Like that's stuff that if you are integrator on the GitHub, like you just know, but not everybody's an integrator. So it, to make it accessible for anybody to make those types of interactions, even if you're just a solo dev, you now have that through a combination of primitives, which is GitHub Actions. So now you have webhooks and GitHub tokens and authentication all built inside of GitHub Actions just by default. Primitives access, rock and roll. Do you all feel like because you I feel like y'all are working with people developer advocacy um I think Rizal you said you're kind of in the early developer like zone yeah <laughs> yeah like I mean 
do you feel like you have a good sense of like best practices around like building your app or deploying your app or like here's like an easy path or here's like hard paths? Um, do you feel like y'all have like, I don't know, any intuition about that? Like, cause I'm sure there's people listening to this and they're like, I tried it and it doesn't work with my thing, you know, or, but like, <laughs> what, what do you think there's like better practices you can do for development that make this easier or, or what? I will say start with GitHub pages and like combine that with GitHub actions. Like just use the, the features that GitHub gives to you because GitHub pages allows you to like deploy a static website. Super basic, super easy. Well, I shouldn't say basic or, or easy because um, it could um, be relative to people. But I think that's one of the easiest paths because you're using what's already inside of GitHub. Like GitHub Actions is within inside of GitHub. Um, and I think you can play around there and be like, oh, okay, let me see if like I deploy a page to GitHub pages with GitHub Actions and like see that like if I do a pull request, what will happen um, if I do this with a GitHub action? So that's to me the easiest path. Wasn't Jekyll kind of like almost a predecessor of it or something? Like GitHub pages would like build your Jekyll back in the day even, but you didn't have to do anything. You just somehow automatically detected Jekyll or something. Yeah, and now it's um it's the evolving um, I hope I'm right about this, but yeah, I think uh, we're we're basically evolving GitHub pages. So it is um, using a GitHub action called like build and deploy or something like that. But now it's like enabled for other things like Next J or it's going to be enabled for other things like Next JS and React mm. and stuff like that. So that's like what we're working on. I hope I didn't yeah. spell company secrets. <laughs> I, I don't know if you're really <laughs> scooping anything, but uh, it's like it's it's definitely so we're doing a lot of uh, development around GitHub pages at the moment. Um, so GitHub Pages now runs in, uh, exclusively on GitHub Actions now mm. and leverages the cloud oh, wow. runners. Uh, so that was a change that happened in the last couple months uh, around deployments. Like the idea of Jekyll just sort of magically getting deployed. Uh, if you have a Jekyll site, you just didn't touch anything and it just deploys now. Uh, we're, we're moving that abstraction away where now you'll actually be able to see what is happening uh, through the, the lo uh, deploy logs. Um, and then now GitHub pages also won't be exclusively, it wasn't, it was never, it used to be exclusively Jekyll. They exposed it to be, if you had NPM run build and you just had static files, you can get there. Uh, GitHub is now going to be making that a little easier for folks to provide like, uh, I don't know exactly what the interaction is going to be, but having a build command is going to be making it a lot easier now that it's all just built on actions. So coming soon. Yeah. I'm out here spilling secrets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because I just in Atlanta. I don't know if you met Tommy. We went. We just actually came back from Render ATL, so we hung out with like it was like twenty GitHubers because uh, GitHub's mm. a very remote company. Uh, and Tommy Bird, who's working specifically on the Pages team, he was sort of divulging secrets. And like, what's funny about GitHub is that we ship stuff so fast and often that I don't know what's public and what's staff shipped. <laughs> and like the way we yeah. ship features is we QA stuff with employees. So you, you could have a feature for like six months. So like the achievements that this shipped last week, like I've had that for six months, but I've been like very careful not to share my screen, uh, like on Twitch or anything like that. Cause then people are like, Hey, what's that? And I, I can't talk about that. Sorry. Oh, uh, um, Pixelated. That's, I mean, that's cool. I mean, in some ways now the Jekyll sites 
GitHub sites or whatever pages was probably not like a major, major feature, but it a significant feature. I'm sure like <laughs> companies are running their websites on GitHub pages exclusively, but that now you're able to like dog food that and it's now using your own like build process. It's not the separate like rails <laughs> task or something that's yeah. going on. It's like, uh, I imagine it's just getting easier Right, like it. If you wanted to run a Next.js site on GitHub Pages now, you could either ship the built version of it, which would be a little yeah. weird because people tend to you tend to not commit built files, right? Or you you could write an action that ran the build for yeah. Next, right? So now you're saying maybe in the future, if the scoop is good data that you don't have to write that action. It will either auto-detect or you'll tell it, hey, this is a next site, and it will just do next stuff. Yeah, and I would say like a lot of the, the next actions that have been built by community members uh, of GitHub users, uh, they do that, where you just do next build. So when the PR is merged in the main branch, next build runs, you create a next branch or deployment branch or whatever, and static files just go directly to that branch. It gets deployed. Everybody's happy. No one ever looks at that branch. And uh, you just sort of move on. And that practice is so common that um, I, I, I believe that not only GitHub, but other folks are also following that pattern and like helping developers out by just making it easier. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it seems pretty natural to be like, what are the 10 most popular static yeah. site generator-esque things Let's make it easy for those things to exist on on pages. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Mine as well. Slur, you know, that's 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 what y'all do. You gotta all these companies gotta battle each other a little bit with with what they're gonna offer, and then 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 the you know devs and people that make websites generally just benefit from the from the stuff. It, so coming from a place like Netlify, uh, and also being at GitHub for so long. I, I I prefer not to like think of it as battling, but kind of like raising the tide for everybody. Uh, because at the back in the day, I think when before SSL was like a given, let's encrypt, like that was like the sort of five dollars a month you'd pay for SSL to get that auto generated. And even GitHub Pages didn't have that uh, up until I think 2018 actually is when they shipped that for GitHub Pages. But like companies like Netlify and then eventually Vercel, like they gave that away for free, meaning that. We didn't have to basically char- get charged for something so simple we could do ourselves, but didn't want to do. So I think with GitHub Actions, like we're, always, we're raising the, the tide a bit for everybody where compute's now extremely cheap. So like let's just give that away by default. Uh, but if like compute time or runtime is what's expensive, okay, that's still going to be charged. But I think eventually we'll get to place in the next five years where runtime is trivial because, I don't know, we're all operating off Bitcoin and you know, moonstones and stuff like that. So that way, you know, money's not a thing. That's a nicer way to look at it. I mean, probably part of the job in a way, because you want to make people happy. And I don't know. You, I don't know. I've. It seems like a DevRel sin to... Yeah. To, yeah. To I mean, there's always opportunity for collaboration. Off. Yeah. <laughs> I just think, like, if you gobble up deploy previews, automatic builds, uh, you know, HTTPS, I don't know, throw cloud functions in there or something... Kind of is a battle because you're like, what do they have left? Not much, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I think 
I was just going to say that Rizal just had a conversation with Solomon Hikes about yeah. Dagger. Yeah. Um, which is like a perfect like companion next step for GitHub Actions uh, and what they're working on over there, which is former Docker founder. Yeah. He's doing some cool stuff. Yeah. How does Docker factor in with, with GitHub Actions, you know? Is it like I want to run these actions in a Docker because the Docker is already like ready to go? Or I don't know if I understand it all the way. I haven't done Docker stuff, so <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, so you could build actions based on Docker images if you'd like. But because of the VM, uh, if you present the, like you could choose your environment. So actions will run on macOS, Windows, and um, a few different Linux environments. Um, but with Docker images, like if you load up the Docker, so imagine like you're running NPM, so like the default Actually, don't quote me because I don't would know what the default action runner environment is. But let's just let's just say if since I didn't look, it's called it's, it's Alpine. Like something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Alpine, the image gives you uh, MVM and and Node.js and stuff like that installed by default. But imagine if you're like, oh, I want Deno. Okay. Mm. Well, go find the Docker image that has Deno installed by default. Start with that. So that becomes not trivial to do, but approachable. We uh, I have a Docker in a GitHub action. Docker builds the, or no, GitHub builds the Docker and then pushes it to my registry. Pretty cool, because I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, I did notice it kind of takes a long time. It, it's kind of like, bleh. is there like, it, is there ways to like test this stuff locally or like improve on it? Are there GitHub Actions wizards that will come <laughs> and fix this stuff? Is this some stuff that exists yet? Or I think there's there's ways to test it without pushing it beforehand. Isn't that right, Brian? Yeah, there's like community projects. Like, so natively, not really. That's kind of like where one of the misses, I guess, where Actions is right now is like debugging. Uh, you could do self-hosted. So if you run self-hosted locally on your own Mac or Windows machine, you could do that. But I mentioned Dagger because Dagger is building like pre-built images for you. So like I think Dagger is going to be a really good solution in the in the future. Um but other than that, there's going to be a lot of community actions. Like there's a Tmux action runner to look, to test stuff live in production. Um, and that's about it. <laughs> no, that's okay. All right. Well, I'll wait for it. I'll wait. I'll wait for the local action simulator. So that you guys no doubt have somewhere on your computers away, but we won't talk about it. <laughs> it does seem, it does seem like a missing puzzle piece a little bit it's like does how can i test this thing without having to test it you know by just push and wait yeah the the pm from actions who's listening to this right now uh when it goes live <laughs> definitely let's let's get it on the roadmap let's get it on the roadmap yeah uh-huh. yeah whatever you know notlify has got it you know cloudflare has a little local tester thing you know you're last so let's go yeah, cool name. it's not a competition <laughs> there was, there's Netlify, Sorry. and then there, and then Cloudflare was like, well, "No, we're going cooler. We're calling it Wrangler." And so, yeah, yeah. game, game's on. You gotta <laughs> come up with something really cool, some <laughs> rodeo or something. Yeah, I'll, I'll right, save so it for the the product marketing folks. Good, good. <laughs> so we talked. You know, we did at the we started at the bottom, little, little babies first stuff, and then we started leveling up a little bit. Here's like, like just mouth blog like a, what I think a proper GitHub action should be like. First, the first thing it's going to do is run your build process, which is going to bundle your JavaScript, 
process your CSS, run your Hugo, whatever. It's going to do all that stuff, get it ready. Then it's going to run just tests against that. Just because, you, of course, you've written some. You, your site has to have a add functions. Your add function better test that 3 plus 1 is 4, you know, because otherwise you broke your website. So it's going to run that. Then it's going to run a perf test on it. Or no, it's got to make a deploy preview first. Yep, gotta yeah, got to have that. Got to <laughs> do that. Because then you have a URL to it, theoretically, that people can see. But because you can see it, that means like some other tool that could like run Lighthouse or something on it could see it too. So then you'll get your perf report and then you'll run the perf budget against that. So you'll be like, oh man, my website is... 500 kilobytes total big, but I said 430 was the largest, so it's going to throw up error or something. And then let's say that passes, or maybe these all run concurrently, I don't know. The It'll run integration tests on it, so you'll your Cypress tests or Reflex tests or whatever, because now it can do that because you have a deploy preview, which is clutch, right? So it goes clicking around, make sure it, the H1s are there, or that the form submits or whatever. Then it runs your visual regression tests for the design library, like your Percy tests or whatever, to make sure that your blues are blue and all that. Then it runs your accessibility tests to make sure that your Axe DevTools comes back okay. Then it probably runs prettier on the whole code base because let's say one of your devs forgot it, their prettier plugin and VS Code and it, they didn't they for, they committed some files that failed prettier, but that would be a bummer if somebody else then pulled that file and whatever. So just let it run that. Maybe run all your linters to make sure there's no like missing semicolons or whatever linters do these days, you know, unused variables and stuff. Then if there's any images in there it'll run a opt it'll optimize your images because why not you know just hit the image th run it through an image processor and put it back in the repo optimized you know maybe do that for your svgs too because there's svgo and stuff then update your sitemap obviously you know and then if all that passes then kick it to staging right and then if it's a commit to main then make it go to production too so oh pretty juicy pipeline but maybe that's what i would do if i had to get a thorough <laughs> That, that sounds like job security for, for one engineer. <laughs> yeah. But also possible. Yeah, it is. I, uh, I have not written that, no. But I, did, I do think that that would be cool to piece together. I, I will add that, um, so I mentioned open source and passing. That's what I'm actually on sabbatical working on full time for the next couple months. Yeah. Uh, we actually have a pipeline that builds a site. Uh, um, so it's a React app, so it builds it, has a build command. And we actually deploy that, have a whole system to deploy it to a GitHub container registry and a Docker image. And like the reason for that is mainly because my day job is like GitHub. So just wanted to prove the model. But if you wanted to go even a further step, like deploy a statically built site into like an archive. So that way you could have a Wayback Machine for your project. Like that's all possible deploying NPM libraries also as well um, after things have passed. But my favorite thing is actually cutting releases because now we can automate release cutting through mm -hmm. the GitHub API. And we do that as well. So definitely worth checking out. That's so cool. Yeah, you mentioned opensauce.pizza a few times. Do you want to get into that a little bit, what that is and what's up? Yeah, so it's a open source project to find your next open source project. And uh, I've always had like the passion for contributing, but never knew where to start. And um, so I created a few different tools. Like there's a dashboard app that opensauce.pizza where you can store projects. 
how to open sauce.pizza is where you can discover projects. And then we're working on this new tool for insights in GitHub for projects and orgs uh, to be able to identify like where contributions are happening, like where where is like the sort of heat map of like, oh, cool, like contributors are first time contributors are doing well in this project. Mm. Or, hey, I've got an org at my company, like no one's contributing to this project. So basically like trying to identify supply chain misses when stuff stops getting contributed to, but also identify like community health is like what we're focused on at the moment. Yeah, that's pretty well. That does seem like a, like a missing piece, right? Like you, you get into open source, you're like, cool, we're doing it. And then, you know, even, I don't know, even like bad actor notification, like, hey, this like this this person's committed to 3,000 repos in the last six minutes, like, they've, you know, or something. But you're, you know, but you have these people involved and what are they doing? How is it, you know, is everyone... Um, yeah, that's that's cool. More more than just like commit history, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Spam is something that we're actually looking into right now uh, because having this data, we can identify where people are going to like repo the repo and saying like, let me change this one one line in the package.json. Mm. Like that would be actually be a flag that can be sent to the maintainer. Um, and currently working with a large. Um, hackathon that happens every every October um, sort of still in conversations with how we can support them um, but basically identifying spam and identifying. I remember that last October there was like a real surge in that like oh I put a apostrophe in your its or something just because that you were that much closer to a t-shirt then or whatever the game was. Yeah. It was, it was a little hot topic for a minute there. Probably not the worst thing happening in dev, but hey, you know, something to fix. Yeah, just trying to encourage quality contributions. Yeah, no, I, but that, I mean, you know, I, we've had the NPM breakages too, right? Like, it, it's just like somebody just snuck a line of code in there, you know, maybe you could... Not, it's not spam exactly because usually it's this big social engineering job. But like, how would you, you know, you could just, I don't know, you just see or know the people who are kind of like contributing to your stuff, you know? So interesting. Or like, find, like you said, like finding people like, oh, okay, these people contribute to this stuff or whatever. Maybe I can reach out or speaking of spam, you're giving somebody a computer, right? I mean, this is um, this is a fact not lost on anybody. But think think of all the havoc you could wreak. You you know, you're basically handed a computer and say, what commands would you like this computer to run? You know, that is ripe for abuse. (laughs) Is it not? I'm sure there's all kinds of stuff that went into place before it even shipped, you know, to prevent whatever Bitcoin mining and such. Yeah, there's actually been a couple articles around specifically Bitcoin mining and GitHub actions. And um, it's so GitHub has this organization called the Security Lab. And what they do, it's a group of security researchers to identify stuff like this. And uh, definitely worth checking out and like how we sort of mitigated spam and how do we mitigated bad actors. Um, we didn't really talk about like how to like limit interactions with actions. Like if you wanted to turn them off, you can. Or if you wanted to turn them off to first time contributors or outside organization members, or you can turn it off to. Oh, right. Because that could be a PR, right? And then you could be like, oh, thanks for the PR, except. And the except is a 
This is like an executing action in your GitHub action. You know, you better be really freaking careful. Yeah, I remember now, now it's coming back to me that you could even format the PR to look like one of those one of those dependabot alerts, which you've like been conditioned to just be like, oh yeah, that's fine. It's a bit, you know. But it could it could have GitHub action stuff in it. Whatever. I'm not trying to scare people. Not I'm sure you are doing work around that. Yeah, and like you said, isn't that one of them? Is like to turn off like first time contributors can't can't contribute directly to actions. Yeah. yeah. By default, you can't um so you have to use a special command, a webhook, which is pull request target. If you want to have third party contributors, so open source contributors to leverage your actions. Oh, right on. And that's intentional. So that way if you explicitly want open source contribution, you use that. But then there's a permission workflow where you can then limit interactions from contributors. So if you don't want people to actually edit code um, using actions, then you can actually block those actions. So imagine you have like your every time you merge the branch, it bumps the release number. Perhaps you don't want that to happen from thir- third party contributors. You only want maintainers to be able to do that. Uh, you can actually make that limitation happen. I did not know this. I wish we had this conversation like two days ago because we had the maintainer summit and like we were like having these little breakout rooms talking about actions and people were like, oh yeah, we're just like concerned about people contributing actions that um, we don't want. And like, I had no clue. Like if I already talked to you, I would have known that they can limit those those contributions. Yeah, yeah. And like there's a, a thing where it, so if you add an action to one of my projects, it won't run until it gets merged in the main branch. And that's intentional because you could just add a new file, you know, bitcoin.yaml. And then it runs the Bitcoin miner on your action minutes for 2,000 minutes. And then you don't realize it until the PR has been sitting for like a, a week. Yeah. Okay. But technically not possible anymore. Hmm. So I think everyone turn off the podcast. I think what we need to do is land a Bitcoin <laughs> miner in like ES build or Vite or something. And then we just get little bits of Bitcoin and then we all share it. So, yeah, I think that's the new business plan. So, yeah, this is um, I just had a conversation recently with uh, Faros, who's um, he just created a company called Socket.dev. I don't know if you all have talked to him yeah, yet, I've but I've seen that. Uh, definitely a great conversation. He he originally created the NPM fund back before GitHub sponsors was a thing and uh, got a lot of flack from that. But he's actually doing some really cool stuff with supply chain security. Uh, with this product, and we went through a long conversation on my uh, my YouTube channel about this and how all these instances where people were like during the Ukraine Ukraine war, uh, people were doing protests and protests against anybody in IP address inside of Russia that would just RM dot dot RF their entire machine. Oh, jeez! And um, and it was like they call it um pro- protest wear, and it was like something I didn't know was a thing, and uh, definitely worth looking into. Um, but also you probably will get your Bitcoin action shipped. Oh, I see. Cause so, so, so the NPM, you can, those are executable pieces of code or they can be at least, you know, and you can even put in a package.json like a, isn't if you name a script, like I forget what it is. There's one of the, one of the, and it's just, it's just by, it looks like a convention, but it really is meaningful. This is whenever this is pulled, run that. So you don't even have to explicitly run it. It will just auto run when you pull it. And that would have an RMRF star or whatever in it. Ooh, Yeah, it's it's definitely worth looking into or leveraging things like socket.dev to 
have that run. Uh, that's specifically a GitHub app, which we didn't get into like the difference between GitHub apps and actions, but apps are going to be like company fully featured products that people are shipping. Actions are like more community managed things. Oh yeah, I have no idea what a GitHub app is. That's a thing. Probot. Yep. Probot. I mean, we know, we know well know what an action is now, right? Is the is an app? I don't know. Is it part of the marketplace? Do I? I think they're they're on the marketplace too, right, Brian? Um, but I think yeah. it's kind of similar. It was I? I don't want to say the wrong stuff, but I think it was like the the precursor, the thing that came before GitHub Actions, where you could automate stuff within oh. your repo, um, and you would just install like this bot or this app into your application, so you can use it for almost. All the stuff you use for GitHub Actions. So, like, if you're using Vercel or Netlify, which we've mentioned a couple times before, you're actually installing the Vercel and Netlify GitHub app into your repo, and that gives you permissions to look through your file system to deploy that site to their cloud and everything like that. I see, because because yeah, that makes sense. Because Netlify would wouldn't be as successful as it is if they had to be like, okay, in order to use Netlify, copy and paste this chunk of configuration into your .github folder. Like, yeah, exactly. Sure, that it'd still be kind of cool, but it wouldn't be that cool. <laughs> yeah, so like you give permissions to have Netlify write a Netlify.toml into your your file system. Yeah, right on. Okay, jeez, this is a complicated product. You probably have dozens of developers over there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. Quite a, it, it, we're, we're a really healthy company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's the fun part. Like. Now I can advocate for random things. Like I could be like, I want to talk about Copilot or Codespaces or whatever, rather than just having like one feature that I'm talking about all the time. Oh, uh, that probably would be kind of awesome, right? You have some, you don't have to to beat the same drum just absolutely forever. You could, there's other stuff, and technically you work for Microsoft, right? They got all kinds of stuff. You could be a Microsoft Word acronym. You could be like, Have you seen Bold? <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah, I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> now, Excel, sign me up for the Excel advocate. Yeah, let me show you how to do these uh, the VB scripts. Yeah. <laughs> that does you, uh, you. This conference invited me to talk about uh, open source, but uh, we're going to talk about the ribbon on Microsoft <laughs> Excel and get to know your ribbon and top to bottom. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned um, Copilot. How how much code at GitHub is written by its own robot? Is there <laughs> any stats on that? I believe thirty five percent was the last thirty five percent. That's a good question. I'd have to ask the. Um, I'm going to actually ask Copilot. <laughs> see what they respond back with. It's a lab feature. Just go to the office. What do you need, me, doggy? <laughs> Copilot. <laughs> I have work to do. No, please answer my uh, question. Yeah, it's so no, ridiculous. No spoilers, but I just watched uh, Loki for the first time. The, for the first and, time? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been out for a couple months, but it, it turns out that that robot was wor- worth paying attention to, or whatever that avatar yeah. was. The, um, the little clock. kind of like a paperclip thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if Chris or Dave, have you seen Loki yet? I saw I the saw, first yeah, few yeah. episodes. I gotta get on that. I wanna pray. Okay, it. I, I won't spoil it. Yeah, don't spoil it for me. It's good, 
good show. Yeah, it is amazing though. I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm up to 50%. I bet I trust that thing so much, dude. Or you write like one line and then you're like, you probably got it from here, right? Because <laughs> it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it mean, tends to pass. pick up what you're doing. Well, yeah, I think does. I disabled it. I'm not, you disabled I, again, it. Okay. Well, I just it turned my job from like writing code to reading code. Oh. And I was like, Oh God, I got to read all this. Like it just turned it into like this, like, Oh shoot. Okay. That's more work for me. So I do wish you could fine tune some things, you know, like you got to get a system, like, you know, like, um, start your start coding without it. And then it'll pick up on the patterns. And then you're like, okay, I could turn it on now. Like, that's what I, I do. <laughs> no, that's good. I have a bunch of tests to write. I should just fire it up for this. Cause I don't like writing tests and just be like, it and then just let it try. To. Yeah. No, I hate that. I wish I could turn that off. The like, don't write English language for me. That's not my favorite. Or when it invents an API that you don't have, but probably should. That always pisses me off too. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Don't have that. Get on. Yeah. <laughs> I have a tough time when it's um pulling on like older code, like a outdated API version. I'm like, oh man. But I do. Have y'all tried Copilot Labs? I think that's oh. fire. Like it could translate um, code for you from like JavaScript to Python or whatever language. And like, that's super helpful to me because a lot of people come to me and ask me to help them with their code. And they're like, oh, it's, it's, I'm writing this in Python, but it's just like JavaScript. I'm like, no, it's not. I can't read Python. So I just like highlight it, put it in Copilot Labs. And then I'm like, okay, get what you're trying to do. I saw that. I saw that like it can, but then I was like, I just wonder what the limits are. I don't know. I I, I kind of wanted to test drive it and be like, write this, uh, whatever Python in HTML and just <laughs> see how see how wild it gets. Yeah. It's pretty outstanding. All right, gang. Well, thanks so much for having your expertise in here. We really honed it in on actions, didn't we? That was kind of my secret goal anyway, but it sounds like y'all think about that stuff a lot and literally advocate for it. So. Sorry, not we sorry. Appreciate I guess. You. Yeah, <laughs> we appreciate you for, uh, and your consulting, free consulting. So this was wonderful. Yeah. Um, I'll send the invoice in the mail. Oh, that's uh, yeah. Address is five. Uh, pizza. Luckily, <laughs> the, the, the the first two thousand minutes are free. So oh, you're, great, you're good. wonderful. Uh, well, cool. Uh, I guess we'll wrap it up here. Uh, for people who aren't following you and giving you money, how can they do that? Uh, we'll start with B Dougie. How can oh, people? Cool. Uh, Cash App is B Dougie. Um, just you know, tips. Tips will go there, uh, and then uh, B Dougie on Twitter, B Dougie on GitHub. Uh, either one of those, pretty much everywhere. And uh, follow me on YouTube, uh, B Doug on YouTube. Yeah, you got you got Twitch or, and uh, TikToks. TikTok, yes, I am a TikTok person. You're a prolific TikToker. It's amazing source of joy for the industry. So appreciate that. And uh, Rizelle, how can people follow you and give you money? Black Girl Bites. I'm Black Girl Bites everywhere except for Twitch. On Twitch, I'm Black Girl Bites one. All right. Do you stream? You're streaming as well. Yeah, I stream uh, open source stuff. Oh, cool. Awesome. All subscribe. So, all right. Thanks. <laughs> uh, and thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast. Church race. Be sure to start our favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show. 16 tweets a month. Uh, YouTube.com slash Shop Talk Show for videos. 
patreon.com slash shop talk show for the discord. So Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Mm. Shop talk show.com.